Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Colts, where Lawrence Owen and Dequel Jackson brings you everything about the shoe. Welcome to the inaugural Believe <laughs> in Colts podcast, episode one for us, Dequel. I'm Lawrence Owen, and with me, uh, at, as usual for the whole entire season here, Dequel Jackson. How's how's your day been going, Dequel? My day is getting a lot better now. We get to talk a little Colts football. I get to talk to you. We 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 chatted it up right before we started here. We we have a lot of things in common. A lot of things that uh, we're going to have fun with this year. And, and I'm excited to be here. I'm I'm excited to 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 be a part of this and, and talk some ball, man. I, this is what I do. This, I did it. I've done this all my life. I played all my life. I met a, a lot of great people in the business. Uh, as you know, I played for the Colts for three years, uh, spent 11 years in the, in the National Football League. So I've learned a lot on the other side of things, playing for the Browns, kind of of what not to do, uh, <laughs> as opposed to uh, how uh, a wheeled oil machine like the Indianapolis Colts um, are run from top to bottom. And, and we see the benefits of it. We, we're, we're witnessing the benefits of a, a great run organization. Speaking of great run organizations, as you were saying, we were we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and you were had incredibly high praise about the Ursay family, uh, yes. about how they run the organization and all of that. You want to dive back into that sure. a little bit? Yeah, sure. So my so my experience. So I was drafted in two thousand six. This is a long winded explanation. Just bear with me. All right, all good. So two thousand six, I get drafted. And I go to the Browns. And as you know, at before, you know, my, I was there eight years and we didn't win a ton of games. There was no secret there. We had one winning season while I was there. But there was a lot of turnover from front office to players, uh, everyone around you. You couldn't there was no continuity between the ownership, between the coaches, between the players. So it was just a, a, a mesh of of just uncertainty every single year. And then I go into, to your point, you know, the what we talked before, uh, what we were talking about before we offline was how well the organization of the Colts were run. You know, Mr. Ursay, first and foremost, he's a diehard football fan. I think everyone who's a Colts fan who's followed the team for any period of time understand he loves freaking football. And when you step into that, when you step into that facility, by the pictures, by the district championships, by the Super Bowl conference championships, it's a constant reminder of we do how we do business. And from the moment I, I, um, I took my first step in that facility, it was like you knew I, you came to this place to win. And you look at the people that are in the front office, a lot of those people have been there for 15, 20 years. You look at the Ursay family, his daughter's are highly intelligent. They understand football. And Mr. Ursay, uh, he was always at training camp. 
Oh my God. I've never seen an owner make such a presence for his football team. And as a player, being a former player, that resonates with a lot of guys, uh, from veterans to young guys. And when he comes around, you develop a rapport. And now you're having a conversation, something that, uh, in my opinion, allows a player to, to, to invest more into his craft. And ultimately, you have a better brand, a better brand of football. So uh, there's so much I could talk about the Ursay family. They, they, they love to win. They love to be around the guys. And they, they, they make a situation, um, how do you say, they make it comfortable and relaxing for you to, to go in and do your business, take care of business, and win freaking games because that's what it boils down to. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, Ursay is a fan. I mean, he was talking about it uh, on, on another podcast uh, what a couple months ago where he was just discussing growing up. Yeah, I, I mean, his dad owned the Colts before him, but he would be yes. sitting there, you know, in in uh, a cafeteria with, with the team right. and eating, and right. then Johnny U would go, hey, move over, yes. boy. You know, yes. I mean. Yes, so like it, it started happened. at an early age. So he was able to. I think I heard stories. He worked in the equipment room at one point, the laundry room at one point. So he's been around the entire organizational piece to how to, as an organization. So he appreciates, he appreciates everyone in that building. And you honestly, as a player being in that building, you feel that, but you yeah. also feel the pressure of winning, which is great. It's, it's, it's fair. It's fair pressure. But uh, I love my time there. We, we, we t won a ton of games. Now we were older crowd. We were uh, we were one of the oldest teams in the in the league at that point. With myself, I was over thirty. Reggie Wayne, Adam Benatari, Matt Hasselback, Robert Mathis. The list goes on and on and on. But uh, we had a great time. We really did. Wow. So uh, it kind of sounds like, even though Ursay was a fan, um, how. I'm, I'm sure that when when uh, it came to the Colts, he was still very serious about his team, right? No uh, doubt. How how was it like if you got called to his, you know, hey, Ur Mr. Ursay wants to talk to you? Well, did first you of all, those I, I was I wasn't lucky enough to go to his museum of an office. I've heard about it. Oh, it's, really? It's rumored you have to be a special type of player to be in his office. So I, unfortunately, I didn't have the privilege of sitting in his office when I was uh, signed as a free agent, undrafted or a free agent. Uh, I didn't make it to his office, so I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that I've heard it's a museum. The guy's a collector of many items that I've heard about and uh, didn't mean to cut you off, but I had to throw that point out there. I understand that. <laughs> um, but the general idea uh, of a team um, is, you know, you, you, you got your owner, uh, no matter what team it is, you have your owner or owners of a team, and then you have someone who runs it, whether it be the president, the GM, whoever, and then, you know, goes down from there to the coaches and all of that. Um, was there ever a, a point where on, on any team or, or guys that you were talking to where they might be called to like the president or, or the GM's office and, and, and is it is it a is it a bad feeling like you know uh getting called to the principal's office that's or a, getting getting yes. called to the you know something yeah, like that yeah no that's a that's a great question because i think is it can happen two ways my experience in cleveland when i was called to the the principal's office it probably wasn't a good thing early in my career but as i got older you realize those 
those in, in power that make decisions, they want to talk to the leaders on the team. And they want to get a bead on, okay, how's the team doing? What about this guy? What do you think about that guy? And they want your input. And being with the Colts and the way Indy runs their business, I was always talking to either Chuck Pagano at the time, the GM at the time, the coaches at the time. So that was normal. That was normal business, which you can't say for a lot of other teams. I've known a lot of guys throughout the league to go on to have careers. And it wasn't a good thing if you were in their office. Let's say that. And I think it's a bit of an old school mentality. Uh, I think the new the coaches now in the league, they want to, you know, it's all about making your team feel like it's a it's their team. And part in my opinion, partly how you do that is you have to have your players believe they they're invested. And how do you do that? You build rapport. You bring them in the, the office. You sit down with them in, in uh, lunchtime, dinnertime. You don't afraid. It's not like this two thing where the coaches are here, the front office are here and the players are down here. So I think that was the difference with the Ursa and the way they run things. And especially I can only speak to Chuck Pagano and how he ran things. He was about family, faith and football. And he lived those three things. He wore it on his sleeve and everyone else followed suit. And so, you know, for a guy that was walking into a new situation or any guy, young rookie, it wasn't a coincidence for you to sit at a table and the GM is sitting with you and the head coach is sitting there and a scout, you know, it's not like they were afraid to sit around you and talk to you. So when it did come that time for, let's say you were being released, uh, I can speak to my specific uh, incident. Uh, Chris Ballard had got the job and the minute he got the job, I got on the phone with my agent. I'm like, Hey, I'm flying in. I want to meet with these guys. I want to let them know, you know, I can be an asset that I'm, uh, I want to get to know you guys. So I, I, I fly in and they didn't waste any time. And this is this is a unique story where a lot of guys don't get the pleasure of being released this way. Um, the GM, Chris Ballard, called me in his office. We had great conversation. I was in his office for about probably about an hour. And they told me they were moving past going younger, probably within the first five minutes of our conversation. The other you know, 55 minutes was about life and moving forward. And if you ever need anything, I'm here. I appreciate your time. So that was players respect that in the end. Players respect that and want to play for organizations that operate in that manner. Yeah, letting you know up front, you know, not not beating around the bush and, and being respectful about it gives, you know, I mean, I, I can understand how, how that would kind of give you that respect to someone in, in a situation like, I mean, obviously you're like, oh, oh crap, I'm unemployed now. But, yeah. you know, at the same time, at least they're being straight shooters with you. You know, right, and right, that's always right. a good that's always a good thing. No um, doubt about it. So were you ever we called into were you ever called into Grigson's office? Because I hear a lot of stories. Oh, yeah. About oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Grigson and I, we, we get along. We never really? had any issues. We never had any issues. All right. And I'm sure he's OK with me saying this, but. 2014, my first year with the Colts, we we tear it up in the regular season. Andrew is having a is on fire that year. Mm-hmm. Defense, we're 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 holding on. Obviously, the, the the offense was a lot better than the defense, but we were pretty solid on third down. Everything else, you can't look at the stats. We didn't really, but we came to play uh, that postseason. We get to the AFC Championship game and against the Patriots. It's well documented. We didn't play well at all. Uh, we didn't play well at all. Um, the deflate gate, the interception, the whole, it just took a life of its own. But I remember after that game, getting back to the facility 
and Grixon was working out. You know, he, he he's a guy that he, he's a gym rat. He's working out and I'm le- I'm one of the last guys to leave after packing up. The season's over. Everyone's disappointed. You're so close. You can you can you can taste playing in the in the Super Bowl. It's like it was right there at our fingertips. And I remember him. He stopped me on the way out. And we had probably a 15, 20 minute conversation in the weight room about how we can get better. And I appreciated that from him because he didn't have to. Listen, you're the GM. It, it, it starts with you and it ends with you. And the fact that he wanted my opinion. Now, did he listen? Not so much so. Uh, but I thought we got beat up in the trenches and we needed to address it moving forward. And but the next year we we, you know, we go draft a receiver. But, hey, I'm not in the front office. I don't know. But uh, at the end of the day, the players got to go out and, and, and make plays and, and and play well. But I had no problems with Grixon. I know there was rumors about the rift between Pagano and Grixon. What I can say to that, there probably was some, like most of us with our close family and friends who are in a high tense environment. Yeah, they probably argued a bit, but from a player standpoint, we never saw it uh, at practice. We never, we never witnessed it. And oh, uh, so, so it's kind of like a, a, a parent thing, you know, where how parents might argue, but you know, you could tell the good parents because they're like, you know, they don't argue in front of the kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> that, that, that sounds right. like a horrible thing. They, they were professional like that, about but... it, right? No, no, exactly. it makes sense. If they were professional about it, if there was any were any issues, but we knew, you know, I mean, we're we're, we're not we're not dumb. Listen, mm-hmm. Chuck Pagano was the defense first guy. Our defense wasn't playing well at all. We needed to address. The defensive side of the ball. We have Andrew Luck on the other side. We have T.Y. Hilton. We have all these different weapons. And we draft a receiver, which was a head scratcher. I don't yeah. think anyone would disagree. Like, what do we and I and, and who do we pick up that year? Uh Phillip? out of Miami. Yep. Yes. Philip Dorsett. And love it. That was a head scratcher to 90% of Colts Nation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I yes. think it was what was it Malcolm Brown? I think it was that a lot of the Colts fans wanted to pick up that year mm-hmm. in that draft. Yes. And and then they yes. grabbed that uh smaller, basically like TY Hilton 2.0, you know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a head scratcher for all of us, but as a player, it's not the player's fault. You know, so we never he never felt like tension between veterans or or any of anyone on the team. It's just it was a head scratch. It was like, did you witness the same game that I played in that I got beat up in? We got railroaded 45 to whatever the score was. And we needed to address the, the, the front seven and the offensive line. And but, you know, you live you live to see another day. Things didn't work out. Clearly, and we're all sitting here talking about football. A lot of us, a lot of yeah. a, lot, a lot of guys are, are are still in the business. But uh, yeah, that was one of those head scratching moments at, throughout my career. It was like, hmm, okay. I'm not Guess a big. Do better. I'm not a huge Grigson fan or fan of that era when it comes to you know how the team was built. But in Grigson's defense, mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs are built very similar to what Grigson was trying to build up at that no point. You know, incredibly no high-powered offense. It's just a, a, a lot of the things that Grigson hit didn't hit. Yes. You know, right. that's that's uh, had right. had Philip hit, had some of these other players hit. You know, mm-hmm. that offense would have been almost unstoppable. But at the same time, it didn't, and now we are where we're at today. 
you know? Yeah, I, I have another, I'll, I'll have a, I'll give you another point to go to Grayson's defense. You know, this is on the heels of maybe a season or two removed from Robert Mathis being the sack leader. So you had that, like you mentioned, you say you look at the way the Kansas City Chiefs are built. Well, what do the Colts always have, even when Peyton Manning was here? Two guys off mm -hmm. the edge, two dogs off the edge that no okay. one could block because you're always playing with the lead. And if I were to put my GM hat on for a second, you see how you can rationalize with the, the theory of, okay, well, if we can outscore people, we can minimize the, the damage on the other side of the ball as we address the other side of the ball. But the other side of the ball, in my opinion, wasn't addressed enough with enough sense of urgency. But it's like the the Warner pick, you know, had he worked out, then you'd have had that additional right, help on the pass right, rush. It's right. just uh, it kind of goes down to does a player fit in the, the team, the mm -hmm. scheme and the players around them, you know, when, right, when you're going right. out and scouting. Uh, it's kind of why I, Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, even I wasn't the ideal fit for a, a Greg Minuski's run defense, even though I had a ton of success. It really was it was it was a new way for me. It was my ninth year and I had to adjust to how I normally played the game the first eight years to that first year because we were a blitz happy uh, defense and. I had to, you know, do a deep dive and play the game even more so above the shoulders because now we're playing with a lead. You play defense a lot differently when you know you're scoring points and how you call the game. You can't just be aggressive all the time. And so I realized I, I was an extra cover guy. You know, very rarely was the game played with two backs, big personnel. This was a sub type of, you know, dime defensive style team because we're playing with a lead. So the other opposing team has to throw the football. So it took me a year to really sink my teeth in and understand how the game was being called to, to you know, it, it makes it pretty difficult on a, a D coordinator, a defensive coach to kind of figure out what guys do you need at certain places. But, you know, time, time heals it all. And, time, and you know, and like you mentioned, when you miss on a, a, a high draft pick, it really sets your organization back. Yeah, you weren't the only one that was kind of out of his his area when 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 Greg Minuski came in because I mean look at Freeney and Mathis right they right. they were guys you know normal for a four three they were you know hands in the dirt Minuski comes in and now all of a sudden they're standing up on the outside edges and it's it's you know situations like that is it makes life a little bit a little bit more interesting because you're learning something new, right? Right, right. And some guys, and you know this as well as most guys, in the NFL I had a saying, well, we all had a saying, you you know, uh, if you're a one-trick pony, you better be a damn good trick, right? And what that means is if you're great at pass rushing, like Robert Mathis or Dwight Freeman, more so Robert Mathis because I played with him. Let's stick to him for a second. Okay. Why is he dropping in coverage? He doesn't need to if, – if we have a – if we're – totaling 65 plays on the defensive snaps, he shouldn't be dropping 10 of those plays. He no. needs to be rushing. I don't care if the offense knows what he's doing. He's better at going, putting his hand in the dirt and getting at the quarterback. And those are the, to your point, those are the things that, you know, Robert never complained. He's a selfless player. Uh, it was about team first. But, you know, I'm scratching my head like, hey, man, what, what are we doing here? I don't want him. I don't want to look back and see him in coverage with me. He needs to be going after the quarterback. You know, let me do the, the, the let he can make my job a lot easier. 
you know, but uh, absolutely. Those, yeah, those those were the things, some of the things that, uh, you know, kind of scratched my head a little bit. But, you know, again, the, the person, Greg Manasi, hell of a guy. Hell of a guy, man. Oh my goodness. But and we had our we had our moments, you know. He was a he was a screamer, yeller, feisty, passionate, and so was I. So we would have our bouts where if I made a wrong check in practice, he would let me know. And I would let him know when he made a bad call in practice. So it was it was a it was a great relationship that we 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 built. And uh I think that was one of the closest teams that I played with, man. We we really appreciated the work that we all put in. But things don't work out all the time. All right. So we're about 20 minutes into this podcast. Uh, I think that uh, now's a good time to make sure that everybody checks out. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on, on a podcast network somewhere, uh, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is, uh, you can check out the video version of this as well. Um, either on my channel, Lawrence Owen on YouTube or believe in the, the believe podcast network on YouTube. You can go check that out as well. Uh, and then of course, if you're seeing this on YouTube right now, go check out the audio podcast, make sure you download it, man, because it's, it's a lot of great stuff. Um, now that we're, like I said, 20 minutes in, let's, let's kind of, we, we got, a lot of great stories in, and we're, we're going to do that more often, um, sure. you know, throughout the season. But this Friday is dress rehearsal day for the Indianapolis Colts against the big day. Lions. Big day, big day, big, big day, uh, especially with a lot of players that throughout training camp have missed a ton of time due to injury. Guys like Carson Wentz, guys yes. like, you know. Quentin Nelson, half, half your offensive line, Ryan Kelly, you know, right. guys, guys that are, you know, pretty well known throughout the Colts organization and are paid the big bucks, right? Yes. The big bucks. You're paid um, to be available. <laughs> exactly. And they haven't been. Um, what would be something that you would be looking, uh, looking at? watching this game coming up um, during during this dress rehearsal? Yeah, for, for me, first off, I, because of my background, I'm definitely going to evaluate the defense. I'm going to evaluate Darius Leonard to see if he's uh, taking that next step. Does he command the huddle as he's shown before? Is he still doing the things that got him to, to, to get him to signing a very lucrative deal over the offseason? So there's going to be an enormous amount of pressure for him to continue that hot streak, you know, mm-hmm. and and I'm going to look for it. Like you mentioned, they were a, what a top 10 defense last year mm-hmm. and they didn't really they lost Justin Houston. Uh, you have some guys on the back end, you know, Kenny Moore. I think he's a stud. Uh, you're the first rounder. I think we talked about it earlier. You know, what those you guys have to hit, you know, those guys have they have to give you some value early on. Um, out of what he was out of, uh, where's he out of Michigan, uh, Michigan, Michigan. So that I'm looking for those, I'm looking for those draft picks to see if Chris Ballard can continue that trend of drafting well, scouting well, because so far his philosophy is he needs to build through the draft and have homegrown guys grow into their own. And that's how you build a successful team on the other side of the ball. You know, Carson Wentz isn't, he's not going to be playing. So what, what are we really going to evaluate here? You know, we talked about Quentin Nelson being out, Ryan Kelly being out, you know, uh, the receiver out of Charleston. He's made some headway and I'm not really I don't really fall into the. Hey, let's anoint him right now 
because there's a lot more football to be played. You have to get the injury bug creeps up on all these different factors that plays a factor in you and your ability to be successful on the field. So I'm looking for them. I'm looking for the coach to go out and play solid on both sides of the ball uh, to see how they see what the offense looks like without Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Wentz, in my mind, you lean on uh, Jonathan Taylor. You lean on the running game. You see if your offensive line can actually hold up and play a solid football because there's a lot of expectations coming out of that building, a lot of optimism with Carson Wentz. Will he be healthy? Will he not be healthy? All signs point to him having an, an incredible recovery, uh, ability to recover. So uh, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for pieces here and there, but ultimately you want to see a clean, a clean, solid football game. No really uh, mental errors, no self-inflicting errors. And, and, and you can build off of that once you get your main crop back, your guys back from injury uh, in that in that case. So that's what I'm looking for for the most part. So. Uh, you brought up Quiddy Pay, the the rookie out of Michigan, and uh, he got his first sack uh, of his mm-hmm. NFL career. Granted, it, it it's not legit because it's preseason, but it is to you. You know what I mean? No doubt, you're a player. No you got that first. You know that that whole uh, I could it tells you I can play with these yes, guys. Yes, right. It's, it's a confidence builder. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, when it comes to pass, now you're like I said, you're a linebacker. And you're a defensive guy. How important is a pass rush to a team who plays a lot of zone defense? It it is the anchor of your defense. Your defense can don't if you want to let's let's date ourselves a little bit. Let's go back to the 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 Tampa Bay Buccaneers years ago when they won a Super Bowl. They were a cover two defense, but guess what? They had Warren Sapp, they had Simeon Rice, they had Derrick Brooks, they had all these guys that can get after the passer. Now it puts a lot of strain on your back end, a lot of strain on your, your young secondary. Uh, but that's the way the game is played, unfortunately. Listen, you have to score points. And you have to get after the passer, something that they they need to be better with. The Colts have to get better with. And I don't think they addressed it like they needed to. You lose Justin Houston, you lose production, you draft the first round. So you have a lot of pressure on this young kid to come in and make his presence known. Uh, but off, what helps that? Is a great offense. And if you don't have Carson Wentz, depending on who's available, who's not to begin this season, uh, it's really going to put an onus on uh, that defense. It's going to strain your football team. But, uh, yeah, the, the Colts have a lot of holes, right? A lot, a lot of question marks and a lot of rumors going on. Will Carson – and I, I go back to Carson Wentz. Will he mentally be prepared? There's a lot of talk on, you know, his last few years wasn't his best. Now he's with Frank Wright. And now he's with someone he's familiar with. They're, they're going to build this confidence. But I'm, I'm, I have a bit of old school in me. It's like, listen, this game is a humbling game. And if you can't deal with the ups and the ebbs and flows, then you're just, it's just not meant for you to be in that position. But I'm optimistic, like everyone else is, and, and uh, hoping for the best for this football team. Yeah, absolutely. See, okay, so uh, we got to see Ben Banigou, who is a third-year guy, second-round pick who kind of, mm-hmm. you know, was a lot of people was thinking that he might be, you know, kind of a wash, you know, come because you haven't really heard, hasn't played a lot of snaps. And then uh, this last preseason game, he made his presence felt hard uh, against the Vikings. It seemed like he was in every, every play in the backfield. He didn't mm-hmm. get the sacks, 
but right. he got a ton of pressures, a ton of quarterback hits, tackle for loss. Right. You know, um, is the sacks that important, or is oh, no pressures? Doubt. You know, no, 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 no. So, so I, I give you. So when I joined the 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 Colts, Robert Mathis, I know how it really could affect. You know, but you don't know because you don't. I never had an opportunity to play with a guy like Robert Mathis, uh, but you realize the value that it has. <laughs> And it's a game changer when you we saw it last year in the Super Bowl when the Kansas City Chiefs, they didn't have their their top dogs protecting Patrick Mahomes. Look what happened. They were they were they were we saw uh, uh, Lincoln and armor. So it does affect the game. It has that ability to really make your job a lot easier from a play caller standpoint and from a player standpoint. When you know you have two guys on the edge that would generate 10 plus sacks a year. You're able to make more chances on the back end. You're able to make more gambles and go after balls you normally wouldn't because in your head you have a shot clock. And when you have great pass rushes, you, you get that timing down. And when you're rolling, that's when you're really able to make plays. You see a lot of big plays happen on the back end from tip balls to interceptions um, to PBUs and that, and that nature. But the sack is the best. <laughs> oh, my God. The, this – it's so valued and and guys who can get it done, you get you, you've seen it around this league. You get paid a lot of money to do so. A lot of money. But uh it's a it's a game changer. I wish I was a lot better at it. I mean, the game changed from me walking into the NFL. I was the undersized guy. And now you see guys like Darius Leonard, we're roughly around the I'm a little bit heavier than he is. He's around 220, 230. Uh the ability to be able to run and get after the passer, that's the value. And linebackers safeties corners uh and definitely on uh, the d-line standpoint so if you if if you can do that and if you're not a designated guy uh like a d-lineman that's supposed to be great at it then your value goes through the roof and your team value goes through the roof as well awesome awesome so like we said we're, we're you're like you know you want to see the running game uh, for the Colts with with Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, yes. Jordan Wilkins, those guys succeed this Friday against Detroit. Um, yes, how much it from a defensive standpoint? If if an offense that you're playing against is running the ball and doing it well, getting five mm. plus yards of carry on you, how hard does that make it on you to cover a passing game on play action and yeah, things it, like that? Yeah, it, it makes the game old school. You know, as a lot of guys aren't built. I mentioned Darius Leonard. You know, he doesn't want to play 10, 15 years ago where there was a downhill type of game and it doesn't go anywhere. You know, if you can run the football in the postseason and you can play great defense, those teams tend to do well and, and be steady and consistent. So when you have a team that can have a two-headed monster, Marlon Mack when he's healthy and Jonathan Taylor – that's a heavy dose of two different style backs. Jonathan Taylor is great out of the backfield. He's that new age running back where he can beat you route running. He can beat you between the tackles and he's a tough guy. And when you have a steady dose of that, it makes it, it, it puts a lot of strain on your defense to, to, to be right. And when that happened, when things starts to break down, I've been a part of many of those games where, whether it was with the Colts or the Browns, when you can't stop the running game, you know, guys start chirping, hey, man, we need to stop the run. And now you're fussing with a defensive back and now you're fussing with a, you know, defensive lineman. And it just creates havoc 
throughout your defense. And if mm. when you can do it well and you can stick to it and teams know it, and then you add another dose of, well, I got a capable, more than capable quarterback that has the arm strength to make all the necessary throws when healthy, it adds for a, a heck of a uh, um, situation for from an offensive standpoint. But defensively, that's your worst nightmare. You don't want to see it. You don't want to face a team that can really run the football and they're committed to run the football. Oh, yeah. So I I, I assume uh, I hate to bring up painful memories, but that AFC championship <laughs> game then must have been awful. Oh, you, you know, <laughs> you feel helpless. You feel helpless as you have no answers. You know, mm-hmm. you and me, I'm a you know, I'm a positive guy. And when it happened, and you bring it back old memories, I want to cry right now, man. You I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. But but th- that that's that's one of those moments where no one lost their, their their panic. We had a veteran group, and I remember a buddy of mine, Mike Adams. He yeah. played 16 years, and and Darius Butler, and mm-hmm. we had some veterans, Vontae Davis, and. Um, uh, Eric Walden, you know, all these guys, we, we, we didn't want this to happen. So we, we mm-hmm. huddled up. was like, Hey, how can we fix this? We need to do this. We need to do that. And when you do those things and you still get gashed down the middle, it all becomes about want to at that point, <laughs> you know, it's like, even the, even coaches, like, I don't know what, I don't know what we can call. We can't stop anything. So when you can't stop the bleeding, as we like to say, football term, terminology, it makes it, it makes out to be a long day. And it's, and it, an embarrassing day and you know that AFC championship game was a was the epitome of one of those days unfortunately yeah I mean it every good team it doesn't matter how good you are you're going to have a game like that and it just sucks when it happens in a, in a situation you know where you're one step away of making the Super Bowl you know it just makes it escalates it even more you know yeah, you know it, it, you know it, it, and we had like I, we talked about it early in the show, but for the regular season, we were okay. We were a bend don't break style defense by paper. We yeah. were pretty good on third down, but that was everything else was was all over the place. But we played well that postseason. Obviously, we beat Peyton Manning in Denver, and we were rolling. Mm-hmm. But that was just like you mentioned. You have one of those days where it shouldn't happen at the biggest stage and unfortunately we couldn't get it done and thank you for bringing up that memory (laughs) well you know we got we got to live through some times right 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 (laughs) oh man uh well that's okay because i actually saw your video i was i was going through your ig uh yesterday uh, (laughs) and i i saw that video of you begging for the football back oh yeah yeah, yeah. man that thing that was awesome i love that video so uh, so it's it's funny um the story behind that so i had no idea i'll put it out there to colts fans who hadn't heard the story but i had no idea i was just doing my job you know we we were getting gashed we had seen this play we had practiced this play you know uh, a few days ago and when grunt was going in motion in that red zone area he was a he was the number one target and i knew based on our coverage he was going to be i was going to have to pick him up and he runs this seam route, and with Tom Brady and veteran quarterbacks like Tom Brady, if I'm a defender, if my back is turned to the the quarterback, good good quarterbacks and great receivers, they know you're open, so they throw you open. And I knew the minute I turned my back, the ball was coming. Turn my back, ball. It was a bad, poorly thrown ball. Thank goodness, 
So I was able to get my hands on it, but I didn't understand it was underinflated any of that. I threw it to the equipment guys, write my initials on it, put it on my mantle, you know, have something to brag about to my kid, you know, and and all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, it's funny how the story just kind of manifested into its own. And when I made the video, uh, uh, the uninterrupted reached out. I'm like, nah, I don't really know if I want to do it. Nah, I don't want to be that guy. I was like, what the hell? Let's do it. And someone not tom brady himself but i've heard he's seen it and he thought it was pretty funny so that's all you know he gave me the green light with that so it, we had fun with it we had fun with it but uh yeah you know at one point i couldn't go back to boston i couldn't i couldn't show my face in boston man i i got kicked out of a wedding not kicked out of a wedding. i left a wedding because i was there supporting a friend and the bride was from boston wedding in boston they realized who i was and then the onslaught of just insults just I had to leave. I had to remove myself. But uh, it, it was one of those funny stories, funny football stories that I can always talk about. And and one of the things that, uh, you know, that happens throughout a 11 year career. Yeah, man. I am kind of sorry. This this podcast became more of an interview than it was, you know, uh, a back yeah. and forth. But no, it's all good. <laughs> Listen, we're getting to know each other. Yeah, we're getting to know each other. And, you know, I, I'm following your lead. You're, you're a veteran in this space. And I remember being a rookie, being a freshman and not knowing what the heck I was doing. And I'm following suit. So I'm here to serve my brother. I'm here to serve, but we're going, we're, we're going to have a, a lot of good, a uh, lot of good fun. And, um, you know, I've, I've watched your Colts law episodes and you're very knowledgeable about the game, obviously. And uh, it's a pleasure for me to be with you and talk football and talk ball. And I'm going to learn a lot from you and hopefully you pick up some from me. Uh, but at one thing I do have, I have a ton of stories about the ins and outs of, my experiences throughout the National Football League. But, uh, yeah, that's the way it goes sometimes, the way it goes. <laughs> Absolutely. It does. It does. There might be some some episodes where I kind of take the lead. Uh, but this episode, I mean, I just – it felt like this was an opportunity for myself and for, you know, those listeners out there to really kind of get to know who Dequell Jackson is. So, you know, thanks for for kind of opening up today and 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 giving us a little piece of – of uh, the life of uh, that you have led um, throughout your NFL so, career. So, 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 can I ask you one? Sure, question you can ask me anything so you want. Go ahead. So, I know you follow the Colts very closely. You have for some time now, and I heard your your uh, take on the receiver from Charleston, Mike Strand. Strong. Strong. Yes, and. I was surprised. I was surprised about your take because I felt the same way, you know, anytime, you know, so my question to you is, is there anyone besides him who, who shown you enough flashes to say, you know what, this is someone we should keep an eye on. I, um, well, obviously the top four receivers, in my opinion, you know, mm -hmm. coming into this, uh, obviously T Y Hilton, even though he is, you know, at that age where you're kind of worried that, you know, he's going to start dropping a little sure. bit. Uh, and then of course, you know, Michael Pittman in a second year, obviously mm -hmm. Paris Campbell. I mean, I feel like if Paris Campbell can stay healthy, he's going to be yeah. so difficult to cover. Yeah. I feel yeah. like, you know, he's one of those guys it, between him and Strawn. I feel like they could be very, very good receivers. The only issue I have with Strawn is I'm seeing a lot of drops from him. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? That's right. an issue. Right. I, I feel like if he could get those 
somewhat under control. He could be a yeah. really, really good receiver uh, mm-hmm. for, for the Indianapolis Colts. But really, uh, receiver-wise, I, I, I like what I've seen from Black. I like what I've seen from mm-hmm. Bonds. But yeah. Des Patman, feels I, I feel like that man is going to be um, – He's really stepped up. Desmond Patman has stepped up big time uh, this training camp, not only as a receiver, of being someone right. who can find an open space on the field uh, just to even be getting a target, right? Let right. alone catching right. the football, just getting open. Um, right. But his special teams ability, that is huge. That is, especially when you're talking about, you know, your your fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, sure. slot at the wideout. Uh, it's, it's just like, you know, when you're talking about the fourth, fifth, sixth slot at cornerback or at linebacker or something like sure. that, special teams value. You talk about that run, one trick pony thing. Also, mm-hmm. you know, being able to do multiple things in, in, in multiple positions is a huge right. bonus to help get you on that 53. And I feel like that Des Patman, Des Patman has that ability to do that. Yeah, that, that's it. You bring up a great point because one, one guy on that staff for the Colts is Bubba Ventrone. Bubba, mm-hmm. Bubba, he's a special teams coordinator. He was my teammate in, in Cleveland. And he was a guy, he was a perennial backup safety, corner, safety. He did it all. But one thing he, hang, he hung his hat on was special teams. And so a lot of guys understand if the veterans have pretty decent, you know, uh, leadership is, hey, man, even though you're not the starter or maybe not the backup, Show your value in other places. And I think the, the the NFL really has embraced that. But one thing I want to bring up is the new format this year of the new pre only having three preseason games. Mm-hmm. You know, I know the third game is more of a dress rehearsal and it's very important for the starters and everyone to mentally as well as physically go through the processes of what an actual game will feel like from meetings to walkthroughs and um, uh, how game day meetings are operated and actually getting hit and going through that process. So I put a lot of, I give Chris Ballard a lot of um, uh, praise in terms of finding finding those guys, right? I think he does a pretty solid job of picking talent and scouting department and all that good stuff. But I think this, and I don't know if you talked about it in any one of your podcasts, but this this strikes a pretty you know tough evaluation process for the Chris Ballots of the world because you don't have that one preseason game where guys have another opportunity to go out and play a simple game plan and go out and execute and maybe show flashes that get them on a football team. So my question is, what what are your thoughts about like that new format of this new system? Obviously, it's great for the players because you're not going through. You have two weeks to prepare for the uh, the upcoming season. And if you're a veteran starter, we know you're on the team, but what's your general thoughts about the new format? Yeah, it, it is. It does make it much more difficult, especially for walk-ons, uh, UDFAs, things of that nature. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I understand it. And you really have to, um, it makes it, in my opinion, so much more important for those types of guys to get in the mental work before training pack camp ever starts, right? Yes. Get your yes. hand on that playbook Great and point. really study hard. And that's going to separate the guys who are willing to put in the work on their own, as opposed to the guys who are just like walking in and be like, all right, I'm here, you know, yep. 
So I, I feel like that it'll, it'll separate character basically, you no know, doubt. In, in my, in my opinion. No doubt. That's a great, that, that, that is spot on. That is spot on. You're, you're right. Because guys who don't know how, I thought I was one of those guys who knew how to prepare and watch film in college, but you have no idea until you actually get into it and you actually have to remember 20 different calls. And within those calls, you have multiple checks and within those multiple checks, if they give you a formation, you have to reload the, 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 the call and go to the original call. So there's a lot of moving parts and something that I really th- I thrived in. I enjoyed that piece of the game. As I got older, it was like that was my calling card because I got slower. I was never the fastest guy. But, uh, yeah, you, you, that's a great point that guys are going to have to invest early and often and to the mental side of the game for sure. All right, man. We're about 45 minutes in. I think it's about time we we, we hang the hat on this episode. Man, okay. this was fun. This was great, man. I I thought, you know, I learned a lot today. Uh, hopefully Same. you enjoyed yourself. Great, great. Yes, and, I did. I did. Um, all right. So why don't you go ahead and give a moment, um, since they don't know a whole lot about us out there, tell people mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, where they can find you and, and things of that nature. Maybe something okay. that's going on in your life that you want to tell people about. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I can tell you a little bit of background on me uh, from a small kid from Largo, Florida. I graduated from and played football at um, University of Maryland. Uh, drafted to the, the Browns 2006. Uh, had a great career there. Obviously finished with the Colts. Uh, met a lot of great people. Uh, we talked about Deflate Gate and all that good stuff, but currently you can find me. Uh, I'm starting my very own podcast, if I can talk about that, um, called Athletes Unplugged. Uh, look out for it. You can find it on Instagram. Uh, basically, I'm more so, I'm having former players and, and, and colleagues and people that I've met in the business, but we're, we're, we're brushing over the football piece and we're actually diving into the person behind the behind the mask. So I think it's interesting. I think it's fun. We have real stories, fun stories. We talk about everything. So um, Athletes Unplugged, that's where you can catch me. Uh, you can find it on all major media platforms here very soon. So that's what I have. I appreciate you giving me that opportunity. I've learned a lot from you before off air, during air. I think we're going to have a, a, a lot of good feedback from this and, and uh, we're going to have some fun talking football and talking Colts, Colts Nation. Absolutely. Uh, where can they find you on Instagram in case they oh, haven't already? Yes. So Instagram, my Instagram name is at Dequel Jackson without a possibly at D-Q-W-E-L-L Jackson. Very easy uh, on Instagram. So that's where you can catch me. And you yeah, all my photos of my family. So if you can tell I love my family. I like to have fun. I drink a little wine, some cigars, some whiskeys. That's my life. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> you can check me out as well on Instagram at Colts underscore law or on Twitter at Colts underscore law. And of course on YouTube at Lawrence Owen. Um, great podcast. Can't wait to get to the next one here coming up pretty soon. Don't know. Yes. Maybe we'll record one later this week. Maybe we'll do yes. a live stream, uh, yes. but we'll definitely get something going very, very soon. And until next time, I'm Lawrence Owen. And I was with, obviously, Dequell Jackson because he's going to be here every day, every (laughs) time. (laughs) I'm still freaking out over a little bit, but you know what? I'm going to calm down at some point. Uh, But, yeah. Yeah, Uh, it's going to happen. We're we're doing this. Thank I appreciate it, Lawrence. Uh, We're going to have fun doing this. And uh, 
yeah, Colts Nation, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to one day get on a live stream and, and see what immediate fans have to say and answer some questions because I'm sure that they have a lot of background on me and it'll be fun. It'll be fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. That's going to be the fun part. If we do a live stream and, and, and run the podcast with a live stream, we'll be able to get into some questions, you know, fan fan questions right there on the spot. And I think that's mm-hmm. going to be I think that's going to be great. Uh, so until next time, you guys go Colts. Go Colts. Have, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.